As we continue to worship, our scripture reading for us this morning comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19 through 25. Today I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Hear these words. For God is pleased when conscience of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his word, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of our souls. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your love, for this day, for this time to worship you. And Lord, as we enter in this time, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be present to you and for what you have for us in this time and in this moment. Turn out all of our distractions so that we may hear your voice and calling upon our lives. And Lord, may I become less so that you may be more in this moment. And may the words of my heart and the meditation of my soul be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So this is some passage, right? Who in, ever wanted to come to church and hear about suffering? Right? That's not what we probably wanted and thought we were going to hear when we got up this morning, we turned on the TV to perhaps catch up on the news and get ready for church and come in on a cold, rainy day when it's just yucky outside. And we come in the presence of God and the first thing you hear is, hey, God loves you if you're, being su if you're going through suffering. That's not the Easter season message we were kind of looking for, right? It's probably not what we expected we probably are, when we started reading the passage, wished, man, I wished he had done something else this morning. Or maybe you looked at, gone online and you look at what the lectionary options are, and he's like, he could have chose Psalm 23, and he chose this one? We would have much rather heard about, you know, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Suffering for God's sake? No. Or even John chapter 10, where God is our gate, and we are the sheep, we would have much rather learned that, that we're in the comfort of God. Suffering? No. We're going to have a talk with the SPRC for this one. But remember what I've always told you. Sometimes we have to learn from the hard passages. 
Because even the hard passages have something for us. Even the passages that we wish the preacher would never preach on. God has something for us. But we have to admit, this is not a passage we feel comfortable with. This is not a passage that we find all the warm and fuzzies with. This is not a passage that we would automatically turn to in our devotion reading. Except for when it comes to 1 Peter and we hit chapter 2 when we're reading through the Bible in a year. The context of the passage, even too, makes it kind of hard for us to read. The passage has two very difficult aspects for us to read in our time that we find ourselves in. We have to accept that and wrestle with it. We can't do away with hard things in Scripture. We have to understand it in the context that it was written in in that time and understand it for our time today. So there's two things that kind of make this passage hard. One is that it was written as part of what's known as the household codes in 1 Peter. The household codes are something that takes place from 1 Peter chapter 2 all the way to about chapter 3. And Peter's offering guidance to the various parts of the household. Husbands, wives, children. How are you to behave in the aspect of your household within the Greco-Roman society? This particular one happens to be about household slaves. We're going to deal with that in a moment. So I want you to just put a pin that I said that and toss it to the side for a moment. The other aspect that makes this hard is that we don't like talking about suffering. We in the American church have this belief that suffering is a bad thing. We as Americans have this thing that suffering is a bad thing. We take medicine, we take pills to avoid feeling suffering. I would much rather be sitting in a bunch of ice right now than standing. We don't like the idea of suffering. And we often think that because we are suffering, or when we are suffering, God must not like us. That if we are going through some sense of suffering, that we must be doing something bad or that God is punishing us, or that God doesn't love us as much as he used to. A lot of our reluctance sometimes to welcome people with disability in the larger church is that we often have this misguided thinking that disabled people are a result of sin. And that is just wrong. That is just wrong. But because we have this get blessed or die trying mentality, especially in the American church, we think that suffering is a bad thing. And so when we come to this idea that when you do good, you might encounter suffering, we go, whoa, 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 not me, no. That's not the life I was promised. The life I was promised was that everything was going to be good, everything was going to be blessed. Even I read those Joel Osteen books. He says, if I just smile, I'll become a millionaire. I wish you wouldn't read those books. So what do we get out of this passage? What do we get out of this? Open our hearts and our minds to what God has for us for this day, even when it's hard to read. So let's go back to where I put that pin on it a few minutes ago, and I said that this was in the part of household codes, and this part was dealing with slaves. The fact that 
First Peter is even talking to servants in a household is something to think about. Slaves and servants were not necessarily talked or written about in the, in the time that Peter is writing. You were kept at a distance, even in the household. So Peter is giving them a place of honor in this context. This is likely a, a, some servants who have come to faith, who have come to faith in God, who have come to experience God's love and are working with how to live their faith out in the midst of their life. The church was powerless at this point to do much about slavery in the Greco-Roman world, so Peter is likely writing to how to deal with it in that moment. That's the context. People that were trying to deal with their faith as they are living in a household culture, perhaps, that was wanting them to worship multiple gods, not just the one God. However, this passage has been twisted, turned upside down to justify some of the most inhumane things that America has ever done. And it is still used today to justify past behaviors to say we don't have any sin on our hands. We need to understand that context and say that that's there, but that doesn't mean that that's the only thing there. That doesn't mean that there's not something for us because we are all servants of God. We are all called to serve God. We are all called to hear what God is saying to us in this hard passage, but to honor the context in the way that Peter meant it, not in the way that others have used it. You understand what I'm saying? So then what is Peter trying to get to us in this hard, difficult, we wish the pastor just used Psalm 23? Think about what I said a little bit ago, that these servants were wanting to do what is right. They perhaps went home and they wanted to worship God. They wanted to proclaim the name of God. They wanted to proclaim the love of God, but yet they were told that's not what's going to happen around here. And we can think about that in our own time and think, you know, sometimes when we do what is right for God, we're going to experience suffering. Sometimes when we're doing what, is, what God has called us to do, sometimes when we do what God honors and has put on our hearts, and we know that is right and honor God through scripture, through tradition, reason, and experience, sometimes we will experience suffering. And I'm not talking about the kind of suffering that we all wish was suffering, but it really isn't, like someone that doesn't say the right word, or someone doesn't wear the right shirt, or someone didn't wear the right collared, you know, liturgical collars of a stole this morning. By the way, Marshall fans, there's WVU collars on my stole. Sorry. Uh, I had to point that out. I'm, you know, this was a gift, and so I have to wear it because the people who made it for me love that. But that's not suffering for you Marshall fans. I'm sorry. Maybe for Pitt fans, but not for us. Suffering is not someone not sending you a card. Suffering is not that you worshiped at 10 o'clock instead of 11 o'clock. None of that is suffering. What is suffering then when we do good, when we honor God, when our words follow God, when our actions follow God, when our heart seeks to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? 
when our words seek to go with God, when our life seems to honor God, when all we want to do is praise God, worship God, fall on our knees and praise the Holy One, when our words seek to speak truth, when our actions speak to love and grace, what is suffering then? Suffering comes, perhaps in the society telling us, I wish you wouldn't worship like that. You Christians, all you do is go around proclaiming Christ, but you never do anything about it. Or I, I just wish the church wouldn't be a bother for us and just let people make their own decisions and just don't let, just let people just be. Leave me alone, you mean old Christians. Suffering can also include people just denying you to even be their friend anymore when they say, hey, I'm going to live for God. Or it could even happen in the church. No, we would never suffer anyone in the church for following God. We just don't have the money for that kind of ministry today. We can't do that kind of ministry here because the church would get a little dirty. We can't dirty up the church. We can't put dirt on our carpet. The carpet's been here since the 1800s. And even though its carpet's ruined and has holes in it and has great stains because our pastor can never hold up the, the communion cup right, we can't do this ministry because it would ruin the carpet. Or how dare you even think about that? We're not that type of church. We just want to come here on a Sunday morning and just wait around. And we're not going to be the kind of church that steps on anyone's toes. We're just going to be a comfortable church and the last one out turn the lights off. Now, I'm being facetious, but true suffering can happen in the church when we stand in the way of mission and ministry. We often encounter suffering when we seek to do God's will. And it's often in subtle ways of people rejecting us simply because we seek to love God. The chattering behind people's back, the wishing that some pastor would just go away, the wishing that life would be a little bit easier. Sometimes we experience suffering for doing good. Sometimes suffering comes simply because we're doing what God calls us to do. What do we do in those moments? What do we do when we encounter suffering, when we hear the chattering, when we hear the church say we don't have the money for that, when we hear our friends deny being friends with us anymore because of our faith, or perhaps even when people tell us you only can be of faith if you're of one party or the other. What do we do? Sometimes we quit. Sometimes we get in this mindset in the church and our, in our spiritual lives that the second we encounter suffering, we're like wanting to go with that white towel in the scene of Rocky Three when they want to throw in the towel because Apollo Creed has just taken on too much. Or, no, that's Apollo Four, I'm sorry, or Rocky Four. And he's just, you know, throw in the towel, it's too much, too much. Too much. That's us. The second we go through a little bit of suffering sometimes, we just want to throw in the towel, right? That's not what we signed up for, Pastor. It's too hard. It's too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. 
I just want to sing Amazing Grace and be gone. It's too tough. Because we bought into the American ideal that the faith will never lead to suffering, when we encounter suffering for faith, we don't know what to do. And sometimes we have to know how to patiently endure when we're in the midst of suffering. Sometimes we have to learn how to keep up the fight, keep up the good word, keep up with what God is leading us to do, even when we encounter suffering, even when we encounter people saying no to us, even when we encounter people looking at us, talking about us behind our back, wishing that they would go or wishing that the carpet would stay clean. We have to endure. We have to keep going and keep at it. Because that's the moments that make a difference. Not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. As I mentioned at the start of worship today, the last few days I've been at a disability conference in Cleveland. It's a joy in my heart and life to coach and equip churches to do the ministry that I am passionate about. I believe that every church should be welcoming and inclusive of people with disabilities. Not just physical disabilities, but neurological disabilities, and invisible, and active, and physical, and invisible, and all types. Because I believe that every person is a child of God and of sacred worth. Every person is a child of God and sacred worth. But one of the things that was said during the conference is there's only about 1,000 churches in America, and there's 350,000 churches in America. Only 1,000 are doing that type of ministry. Numbers and numbers of people who were at that conference talked about how their pastor kept saying no or their churches kept saying no. One of them was in my discussion yesterday. I I was leading a breakout session or a workshop on how to influence your pastor. How to influence your pastor to do ministry and mission. The goal was for them to see the other side of the conversation, to see what those things that I wrestle with on a daily basis. The budget, the finances, the leadership, the volunteerism, the who's, you know, all of this. And it helped them to come up with strategies on how to work together for mission and ministry. But there, there was one person that just broke my heart in our session. And she was talking, we had a Q&A session, and she said, you know, I, I've been trying to get my pastor to keep this going. And my pastor's just not on board with this. And I'm trying to do this because I feel called about it. I feel passionate about it. But I just don't know how much more I can do because I just, I feel like I'm not doing anything. That no was like an act of suffering for her and an act of hard pain for her. Because sometimes when we're told no, it is suffering when we feel like God is calling us to do something. I can just feel her tears and her pain. But you know what she did? She kept at it. She was trying her darndest to do mission and ministry. She was at a conference with 350 others of us who are passionate about this ministry. And she was trying to learn. I looked at her in my goofy way that I try to do when I'm in a conference and teaching. And I just looked at her and said, your perseverance is fruit. 
Your perseverance is fruit. You're making a difference in someone else's life because you are persevering in the midst of being told no. Keep it up. That's a story for us today as well. When we go through suffering, when people tell us, hey, you can't be that kind of a church today, or hey, the, you know, we're not going to be a Christian nation, or hey, we're not going to do this, or we just don't know what it's like to be on defense anymore. We've been on offense for 1,700 years, and now we've got to play defense, and we don't know what to do. Perseverance is key. Putting another foot in front of the other and keeping at the faith and never giving up. That's how we respond to suffering. You want to tell me no? You want to tell me I can't do this? You want to tell me that I can't be a Christian that, that loves truth and grace? You want to tell me that this is not who we're going to be? Watch me. That's how you respond to suffering. Not with anger, not with resentment, not with vengeance, not with let me see my St. Louis Cardinals baseball bat that has my name on it. Please don't ever use that because then people will know it's my name on it. We don't respond with anger. We don't respond with vengeance. We don't respond with hatred. We respond with watch me do this. Watch me keep at it. Watch me keep the faith. You want to tell me no? Watch me. You want to tell me not to be the church? Watch me. You want to tell me to stop? Watch me. You want to tell me to go get another job? Watch me. We persevere, and we persevere as part of Christ's body. And we persevere based on the witness of Christ who persevered himself as he walked on earth. Not just in the suffering that he faced at the cross for all of us, but think about the moments in his life on earth when he was told, no, stop it. When he welcomed people to the banquet that were the lowest of the low, the, the riffraffs, the forgotten, Jesus said, watch me invite them. And kept at it. When the Pharisees were telling him to, to stop talking, when he was calling them out on their hypocrisy of saying they loved God, but yet were never truly living deeply for God and putting more burdens upon others than upon themselves, he said, watch me keep teaching. And when they said that we're going to put you on a cross to end you so you're never a threat, Jesus said, watch me. Watch me use the cross to bring salvation and hope to all. Jesus showed us the way to persevere through our troubles, through our sufferings, by keeping at it. Not giving up, not losing faith, not losing hope, but keeping at it. That's the hope for us today. We worship a God who is still at it. We worship a Christ who kept at it. We worship a Savior who keeps at it with us. Are we willing to keep at it for him? When the going gets tough, when life is hard, when we encounter the, the biggest roadblocks or even the smallest obstacle, are we willing to keep the faith?
Are we willing to persevere? God is present in that suffering. God is with us as we keep it up and say, watch me. Let no suffering ever keep us from the church. Let no word that's ever been said behind our backs, let no action that's ever been said keep us from being the people God has called us to be and the followers of Christ God has called us to be. Let us trust that God is there and persevere. And let our actions and witness be a word of hope to others. That even when the world says no, we know God says yes. And to keep at it. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. Sometimes, God, it's hard to keep at it when we are experiencing suffering. Sometimes, God, all we want to do is quit and say we're done. Forgive us of those moments when we just want to give up, but Lord, help us. Help us to have the faith, the perseverance, the, the grace in you to keep up. And help us to never lose sight that you are there with us today. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.